Yeah, man. <laughs> let's kill that bass head. Alright, let's do this. I'm on the air, we on the air, we got this pockets flow. It's me and Tony on the mics, we gotta let you know. Of current events, little gaming, sprinkling some entertainment. We stay humble, but our mom still thinks we're famous. Turn up the bass and baby, maybe let that magic flow. Our spoken word is all the things you really wanna know. Having a good time on the show, T Bows and Maddie G. Tune in and hit subscribe and join us on the FAP. Welcome everybody to the Freaking Awesome Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Bose, and sitting next to me is the good ship lollipop, Maddie G. How you doing today, buddy? Hey, hey! Not too bad, buddy. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, nice. I figured, uh, you know, when in doubt, uh, a sucker's born every minute, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring you in candy style today. Um, so uh, before we get too far into things, uh, we have a fantastic guest today. Uh, not only uh, one really good looking dude and uh, a heartthrob in itself, uh, actor, producer, author, Sean Cannon. Sean, how are you doing today? How are you? Doing wonderful. Uh, so glad that you could uh, you can make it. And, and I think we just lost you on the audio <laughs> <laughs> just after we talked about it. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. We jinxed it. Yep. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, it looks like you're lagging a little bit there, Sean. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Tell everybody to turn off the internet in the house. <laughs> uh, that's not going to be possible. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, that's okay. Uh, it, it was really weird. It was perfectly fine right up until uh, everything went live. So... Uh, it's a you know we'll, that's we'll, called Murphy's yeah. law. Yeah, I know that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, are we are we good? I think we got you. Yeah, yeah, that's better. I was asking you guys who made that cool uh, theme song for you. That's Maddie G. I love that. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. We actually won a podcast award uh, for that for intro. Good have. Yeah. yeah, one of the one of the many talents is uh, of Maddie G. Excellent. Not yep. just a good looking guy. So <laughs> yeah, I can I can rap, do podcasts, and I can make fart noises under my leg. <laughs> like under my knee. <laughs> I was gonna say that's normally where things come out there, Maddie. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, I had to specify. Apparently uh, anatomy is not one of your talents. <laughs> uh, oh shit. Yep. <laughs> busted on air no that's good uh so do we have uh, some uh, humorous news before we get going here yeah you want me to kick mine off my first one's a little long but uh it comes together at the end real nice okay sounds good yep okay Go so bear with me till the end because that's kind of the that was the funny part to me so okay. uh twin youtube pranksters pled guilty to staging fake fake uh bank robberies so in Los Angeles, YouTube stars Alan and Alex Stokes, uh, twins known for provocative video gags, have pled guilty to charges stemming from two fake bank robberies they staged in California, one which led to police drawing their guns on the brothers' unsuspecting Uber driver. The, 20, the 23-year-old brothers were originally each charged with one felony count of false uh, imprisonment uh, by violence, menace or fraud, and two misdemeanor counts of falsely reporting an emergency in connection with uh, events that happened on October 15, 2019. So this was this happened quite a while ago, but they're finally just going through with it. Okay. Um, the charges carried a maximum penalty of five years in prison. Um, 
according to Orange County's attorney's office. The brothers accepted a bargain offered by the judge, reducing the felony count to a misdemeanor, um, and they got a more lenient sentence for probation and 160 hours of community service if they pled guilty, which they did. Okay. The judge also ordered the brothers, who boast nearly 7 million subscribers on YouTube, to stop making videos mimicking criminal behavior. So that was also a condition. Okay. Yeah. So here, here's here's the story, though, okay? So the brothers dressed in black clothing and ski masks and carried duffel bags full of cash as they pretended to flee from a bank robbery um, while their videographer recorded the stunt. The brothers hailed an Uber whose operator refused to drive them, all of which an onlooker uh, thought was a carjacking in, in progress. Police arrived and ordered the Uber driver out of his vehicle at gunpoint before realizing that it was a gag, okay? Okay. So the officers let Stokes, the Stokes brothers go with a warning at that point. But then four hours later, they did the exact same thing at a university campus. And that's what they got arrested for. <laughs> well, I, I, find the, I find the interesting thing out of all of that is that the cops pulled up and, and demanded the Uber driver. Get right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, mean, I was probably looking to get out anyway so <laughs> yeah it's like thank you yeah yeah i'll take the guns out that is that's pretty funny um all right so the news i have today actually it's funny because both my um both my news articles today are uh, real estate related you know so they say it's a, a seller's market out there right now so. oh dude it's nuts um right. so i actually have a just before you jump in there a friend yeah. of mine uh there was a house listed at I think it was low or high, high one, high like 186, you know, which is really low and went to bidding war and sold for over three. So it was almost double, double asking price. Wow. Yeah. There, so, there was a, a house not, uh, not far from uh, where we are, where we're moving to that uh, I think was starting off somewhere, somewhere close to just under 500,000. And uh, by the time bidding war was done, it was, it was almost a million. <laughs> It, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, and yeah. they're saying that they're they're going to try to get. So, Sean, in in Canada, we only have like really five major banks that regulate the industry. So they're 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 saying that they actually might have to get the big banks to step in to douse the craziness of our housing market right now. Wow, so That's, that, that is crazy. What and what do you guys think? What do you guys think is driving that? Is I th I think it. Honestly, yeah. So what what I think's happened is so COVID has hit our major um, metro areas. So what's happening is um, also wages um, are sometimes a hundred percent more in the metro areas for for jobs. So what's happening is all of these people with these super high paying jobs are looking at uh, moving outside of the city, right? right? So all of a sudden they have all of this, they're, they're, they're cash rich at that point. They sell their existing, we lost Tony. He'll be back though. Um, they sell their existing houses for tons because they live in the city and they, sure. they, can, they can stretch their dollar out a lot further in the smaller areas. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. So Well, and the other thing I think on that is, um, you know, the, the, so many people uh, have lost a lot of their jobs because of COVID, like they've done complete shutdowns. So the people who are living in those larger cities are trying to move out to something that they can afford by selling their larger houses. Yeah, take well, smaller houses. Our, our neighbors yeah. in the north are not doing anything to uh, help generate tourist business. Uh, 
I, I just saw this story yesterday about what's going on with COVID testing and the, uh, you know, uh, mandatory quarantine. I, so, I, so I asked a friend of mine who lives in Canada and they, she said to me that um, if you have to go to one of these mandatory quarantining facilities, she said they're like four and five star hotels that you have to pay for yourself. Is that, wow. is that, hmm. if you're, if you're a, if you're a tourist, heard of that. you have to get tested before your flight. When you, yeah. land. if you're positive, if you're positive, you have to mandatory, uh, uh, quarantine in like a four or five star hotel. And there was a story, uh, that I heard from a guy in, um, he was from Tennessee and he said, they put him in a van with like blacked out windows, wouldn't tell him where he was going. And I was like, that jet doesn't, that doesn't sound like a yeah. small kidnapping. <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's the exact word he used. Yeah. <laughs> they put he got a, a call from <laughs> Lee Neeson later on that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very so skilled. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. No, that's, that's really strange. Uh, so. Yeah. But I mean, um, I mean, I would imagine though that, that, that is, you know, really curtailed, uh, um, you know, tourist dollars coming in mm-hmm. to Canada. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and also, also just the movie industry alone, right? I mean, Canada, especially up in the Toronto area and in BC area, sure. is uh, very well known for the movie industry. So uh, that has put a lot of that on hold in, in certain cases. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like I said, I, I had just finished doing a film uh, in Puerto Rico for a couple of weeks. Uh, it's called Killing Field with Bruce Willis and Chad Michael Murray. And we had really, um, you know, very specific protocols for COVID and testing and uh, a lot of testing. As a matter yeah. of fact, I was joking. I haven't had that much stuff up my nose since the eighties. I mean, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, masks everywhere. And I mean, you know, when you're on a film set trying to do social distancing is not easy. Uh, no. But yeah. So, yeah, that's crazy. So, so, so just to, to digress a little here, the, the today's article, uh, the, the first one that came up was, uh, so, you know, when you're, so Matt, I mean, you've moved uh, around a couple of times and have you ever had it like your neighbor's house goes on sale? Like, like they decide to like, just sell that, like your neighbors are selling and, and then like, what's the first thing you normally do? Well, you're, you're curious as to what theirs is going for, right? right. So, so. so- you go and creep their their listing, right? You find it and you you go to look at it. You go to see what their their houses look like inside. You you want to see how it stacks up to your house, and uh, yeah. So so and it's true. A lot of people do that. I mean, I have been notorious uh, for doing that as well. <laughs> you see people's uh, house conning. You're just you're like, well, I don't want to do the walkthrough, but I'm going to jump online and see how their MLS oh, looks. Of looks course, like yeah, yeah, totally. So, so what happened on this one was uh, a, a man had noticed that his neighbor's house was for sale. And of course, just like you and I, he decided that he was really curious on how well it stacked up. And what he found <laughs> was quite surprising that when he went through the photographs, there was a picture of his cat lying on their bed. <laughs> <laughs> and he had found that his beloved, cherished pet, who was basically leaving their house in the day, and going to sleep and and eat in the other person's house. 
and, and clearly, you know, that the, this cat was um, was must have been really kind of part of the family because if they didn't take the cat out for the photos, they had no problem with the cat being in the photos of all these rooms. That's hilarious. Right. So, you know, you're always a little horror cat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is no, um, you know, uh, solid uh, monogamy, I guess, when it comes to cats. They, they don't give a shit. No, <laughs> no. Guy's wife. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say it could have only been worse, but <laughs> so, so yeah, that was that was some funny news today. I was I was really thinking, oh look, okay, that that's a new one. So <laughs> yep, that's pretty good, man. That's right on. Good. What's your next one? Um oh this one's this one's funny but but dirty as well. That it's a it's a dirty tactic. So All right. uh so the, the title is there's a special place in hell for an employer like this. So Andreas Flatten. Uh, resigned from his job at AOK Walker's Auto Works in Peachtree, Georgia, uh, over a dispute about having to leave work by a certain time every day to pick up his daughter from daycare. Um, so this was last November, um, but trying to get his last paycheck wasn't pretty. Flatten's boss, the auto shop owner, Miles Walker, finally decided to pay Flatten $950 on March 12th, so a couple weeks ago, yeah. But in 91,515 pennies. And he had it delivered to them in wheelbarrows. I saw that. Um, adding insult to injury, uh, the 500 pounds of pennies were covered in motor oil and came with a note that said, fuck you. Oh, wow. So Flatten's girlfriend uh, shared a video of the penny pile on Instagram and told CBS Atlanta that Walker was known for harassing his workers and had a toxic work environment. Walker told CBS that he got paid and that's all that matters. And he's a weenie for even bringing it up on the news. Uh, <laughs> Flatten uh, are cleaning the oily coin stockpile, estimating it takes about two hours to polish $5 worth of, of, of change. So, so the U.S. Department of Labor got involved and they said there's actually nothing in regulation that dictates in what currency an employer can pay an employee. So there's wow. nothing they can do. That's crazy. so. Isn't that dirty? Yeah, that that is a horrible way. That's uh, a dick move. Yeah, yeah, it's a total dick move. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now I commend them to his commitment to that dick move. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it, I mean, he followed right through. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. now I guess but the biggest question. He might have an argument where you know the currency in the form that it was delivered is not usable for commerce due to the oil on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like, true. So, so in fact, yeah, you can pay a guy in pennies because you can literally go take the pennies and pay for stuff. But when it's covered in oil, you can't. So I'm exactly. thinking it's a really crappy attorney. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably, probably the one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I might call him and see if I can so. sign going. Maybe I can. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> You know, I was really curious. I mean, with all that copper, I mean, I get you that that pile of pennies has got to probably be worth more than the actual value of the pennies. That's yeah. another good point. That's why they stopped doing pennies in Canada. We don't Except even have pennies. Pennies are primarily, if I'm not mistaken, zinc. Oh. I know. I know one of them. Maybe it's nickels. But I, I, I wonder if they are entirely copper. I, I think they probably got sure. some kind of alloy mixed in there probably 
it's possible. Yeah, I know that they they got rid of them here because they said that their value doesn't represent what they're made of. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll have to get someone to fact check that one for us. So, um, and they taste weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can get you out of a DUI. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so uh, next article, and and this one. Um, basically was this was a little bit fun uh, and you know how like a lot of people actually what was it uh, not too too long ago um uh, there was the uh, the woman who was trying to sell a house and she put a, a cardboard cutout of bernie sanders and remember how that like blew up virally and then people like she was able to sell the house in, in like days because of having a picture of bernie sanders in all the rooms and stuff like that um th this one on the other hand <laughs> So the article on this, or it said, um, sign draws attention to house for sale in Massachusetts town. And what happened was uh, <laughs> house was for sale, but above, you know, so they've got that kind of crossbar and the sign hangs from below. Yeah. On above that, there was a white sign with red writing that said, not haunted. <laughs> <laughs> Just in so case. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what happened was um, there was a woman who was uh, walking by and she saw that and, and she thought that that was the weirdest thing in the world. So she called up the realtor to find out, like, was this a prank or like, what's what's going on? Is this house actually haunted? And, and they're like, like but the, it's a weird way of having to disclose it or something. And uh, they actually had absolutely no clue what they were what she was talking about. So they went down to their sign to find out. And uh, sure enough, and it's like really professionally done, though, like it looks like it belongs with the sign. Um, but the the funny thing was, there was apparently other neighbors walking by when they saw the sign and, and someone had interviewed them later. They looked at the sign and was like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me because the house <laughs> looks actually quite creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no. The neighbor had said, like, you know, he's he's been there forever and, uh, you know, he's been through those the, that house and in, in, in the land and everything. And there's no way that it is possibly haunted, he said. But uh, they did uh, kind of chalk it up to just one crazy prank. Um, but because of that, of course, now, again, here's a house that has drawn a lot of interest and uh, we'll be interested to see uh, how fast that's uh, that. House I'm putting is. that on my house when it goes up for sale. <laughs> I think so. so. That'd be Just for the attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not haunted. Not haunted. <laughs> Never had a dead body in it. <laughs> nope. True. Here ever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so. Dude, did you see any good April Fool's pranks today? I didn't. No. No, I heard a good one. I heard a good one. Um, yeah, so my buddy's in uh, the tech industry, and um, apparently one of his clients had um, put tape over all their mice, the bottoms of their mice, so that the, <laughs> sense, so, so the sensor doesn't work, right? Yeah. And so, but here's the funny part, is that he did it to every computer in the organization. So there's like 50, yeah. and then the people couldn't get it to work. So they brought in all 50 of these mice in a box <laughs> and took them to the tech company to have them fixed. <laughs> so this one prank cost the, the whole company like hours and hours worth of like productivity <laughs> loss. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, and, and now apparently because it escalated so quickly, like no one will admit to it. So they're having like an internal. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. 
That is so. really yeah, I could see that. Uh, you know, that that is a total backfire. And I've actually done the, the practical joke uh, that that has backfired on me before. And in uh, to, a, to a point that I'm actually really lucky I didn't lose my job. Uh, you know, I we we'd um, my boss. I'm listening. <laughs> my boss was basically we wanted to practice do a practical joke for my boss, and he uh, so it was a, a pool and hot tub companies when I was younger, and uh, we had called him up and said that uh, someone drove their car through the front window, and and you know where we're letting you know, but we've called the police and all these other things, and he's like, oh my god, is anybody hurt? And he starts panicking, and then about. 10 minutes into this like we just kept drawing it out and then we said april fools well what we didn't know is he was on a plane to arizona at the time so he was had his right hand man booking tickets to go back immediately uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, yeah so it was it was one of those things that we we were really fortunate that he had a good sense of humor but uh we did kind of get a little yelling at <laughs> for yeah it. so yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, uh, hope he got insurance on on those tickets too. Stop the plane! <laughs> yeah. Poor guy gets locked up. As a terrorist. <laughs> April Fools. <laughs> uh, Should always folks uh, on somebody that is maybe beneath you in the corporate hierarchy. You know, I mean, it's you know, yeah. somebody that's got the ability to fire you. Maybe I mean, it's a ballsy move. You know, so yeah. I mean. Hats off, but I mean, it could have gone horribly awry. Yeah, you know what? If it, in in all honesty, I, I totally at that age, you're not thinking things through, uh, and I was really lucky. But uh, I would have deserved it. I would have though. Like, I mean, you know, if you were the president of the United States, or I guess you know, in in Canada or something like that, you just knew really there's not going to be any blowback. You would do crazy shit all over the White House to all your little underlings. I mean, <laughs> Trump did it for four years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, do you remember that that old show, uh, Spitting Image, where they they used to make uh, puppets out of celebrities and and uh, always did jokes? Um, yeah, it was, it was, they were very. No. Tony, is that a dream you had? Is this... No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it was a it was a comedy puppet. show. Sorry, what was that, Sean? Is it a creepy puppet dream? Is that no, 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 no. no. Uh, <laughs> They, they um, basically what had done is uh, they created really good looking puppets out of uh, some of these uh, celebrities. And, and, and anyways, uh, I haven't seen Spitting Image in, in probably close to 20 years. And then suddenly uh, the other day a video came out and it was Trump leaving the White House. And and it was really funny because it was just a classic puppetry. And he was basically rigging the room to pull practical jokes on on Biden for when he came in and and uh like he was putting like the classic you know the the pail of water over the door but it wasn't water it was pee <laughs> you know? he had a he had a uh I, I don't know who who it was but uh uh oh no it was it was uh <laughs> it was um uh who's the the the, the russian prime minister right now is that oh putin uh, it is putin yeah so he, he had it so that when he would go by a certain area putin would jump out and purple nerfle him <laughs> So, so what happened is, is of course it backfired and, and Trump left the room, but he ran back and he goes, Oh, I forgot to do this. And then he sprung his own traps and, and it was like bowling balls that came down and hit him in the head. And he's like, Oh, I paid for seven. And the last one comes down and, uh, you know, so it was, it ends up that he, he tips over the bucket himself. 
uh, and gets covered in pee. He's like, ah, I'm stuck in a bucket and covered in pee. And Biden walks in and goes, not the first time that's happened to me. <laughs> so it, was, it was really, it was really funny. Uh, I, it, and so I haven't seen anything like that in a long time, but uh, it's a really good video. If I find it, I'll put it up on the page. <laughs> nice. Have to now. Yeah. Anyway, so Sean, let's, uh, let's get back to you. And I feel really bad because um, again, this, this is actually Sean's second time on the show. And I do, I do fully admit that, uh, we had some audio issues the last time uh, and we couldn't actually air the full episode or or really any of the episode. So it's nice because you get to come back and it's kind of your your second first time. <laughs> right. So, and and it's good that you did come back because it means uh, you didn't you didn't hate things. <laughs> I did not hate things. And plus, I can use all the jokes and material I used the first time. Right. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the only difference is your hair is a lot shorter now. So uh, indeed a lot shorter. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's great because, you know, you still see that remnants of the faux hawk in there. It's it's going to be interesting. So I'm going to look forward to that. Uh, I know that you you're saying it was a new Bruce Willis movie. I actually just saw a Bruce Willis movie the other day. It was on. I don't know if it was uh, Amazon or Netflix. It was the worst movie I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> And, and it, this is not to this is not, into this it. On Bruce Willis because I actually I really love him as an actor. Was it so, the astronaut one? It, it, yeah, it's it's a space one, and and it's got like aliens, and it was um I can't remember. It was like a first contact kind of thing, and the story just didn't make sense. Like it was like they took the entire budget, blew it on Bruce Willis, and then didn't make any lick of story <laughs> all right all right we got bruce fire all the writers that was <laughs> it was like oh we had to get rid of the lighter writers to, to, to pitch this thing and, and you know like in it it was it had promise and it looked really interesting and they're saying oh it's an alien race it's first contact it's what we were worried about and then within 10 minutes they're like well this alien race is well known for this 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 and i'm like what the what the crap you just said it was first contact how the hell do you know what this alien race is for like it, it, oh my god my my mind my mind is still spinning on how ridiculous now I'm to... yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah tony and i are uh, we tell it like it is i guess <laughs> yeah it's true um, no. so no no offense to bruce but i gotta ask man like did you look at the script when this came out or did they just pull a dump truck full of money and dump it on your front lawn. <laughs> no, I see I, Death I, Wish though. Dump Sorry? truck of money on my front <laughs> <Is> lawn. <it? laughs> now, I've, I've been a, I've been a fan of Bruce Willis's forever, and uh, uh, you know, having the opportunity to work with him for me was enough of a reason to uh, to want to do the film. The director, uh, whose name is James Cullen Bressack, uh, is a guy that I've done like five films with, and okay. so. I love working with him and uh, uh, I just basically showed up and uh, I thought that, you know, he he kept saying that I had to get a mohawk, but he would couch it in these texts that were like laced with little quippy, funny things. So I was like, oh yeah, sure. Uh, no, <laughs> you should get about? a mohawk, LOL. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I got there and he was like, no, you're really going to get a mohawk. And so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of are you allowed to say? Like, what what type of character do you play? So, uh, you know, you, you look at me and you think I'm 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 going to be this real scary guy, and I am definitely a thug, but I'm the comedic relief. Me and one other guy are cool. kind of the comedic reliefs in the film. That's okay. a lot. Of, yeah, that's yeah. excellent. You know, thing, always... It's called Killing Field. The whole play, uh, the whole film takes place over um, one day in one location, bunch of bad guys, uh, and. Uh, you know, Bruce uh, does what he does. He saves the day. And uh, yeah. 
Okay. Woman. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, that'll be it'll be interesting to check out. And you know, and, and that's the thing is, even though this movie was really bad for Bruce Willis, I will still watch his next movie because I'm I'm that much of a Bruce Willis fan that yeah. I, I I normally would say, oh, he's never really done a crappy movie. I well, apparently he has. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I, maybe I maybe I just gave him a little too uh, too much leeway when it came to to movies. Eventually, someone's going to do something, <laughs> right? Yeah, we get an email later on from Bruce. Fuck you! I'll never be on your show. <laughs> <Exactly>. No. <laughs> well, it won't after that comment, I guess. You know what, Bruce? This is your time to show up and prove me wrong and, and tell me exactly what happened with that weird space movie. So uh, that's funny. Hey, Tim. Tim's uh, saying hi to everybody. Really enjoy the show. Thanks, Tim. Uh, so, all right, Sean, uh, there's a, a lot of questions. Actually, there's a lot has happened since the last time we have seen you and uh, not just the hair change, uh, but you have, um, you know, you were you were working on Studio City and that was just something that was on the back burner or just like you couldn't talk about it much. When, wow. It when was the last spoke. Yeah. Yeah. So Studio you know, City is uh, on Amazon Prime. Unfortunately, Right now, it's only in uh, the United States, but we are working to uh, to take care of that. And um, you know, it's it's been great. We were nominated for eight Emmys, uh, yes. uh, and we won one, which was great. Now we're coming into uh, Emmy season again, and we were able to do uh, another five episodes during the pandemic. And I mean, you know, production during the pandemic is is certainly challenging, but we we put out some some great new episodes. And uh, it's it's been it's been one of the one of the projects that I've done in my life that I would say I'm most proud of, just because you know I was <laughs> I was there from the beginning, and yeah. uh, I know all the travails and all the obstacles that we had to go through to to actually you know get it done. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just for for uh, people who haven't seen it, of course, uh, for the Canadian audience, because I'm assuming at this point all America has seen this for for how uh, well it has done in the in the awards, they, but. Uh, this this show uh is a very interesting concept because it is it is an actor who plays a role so it's like a movie in a movie or a show in a show so uh actually you know what sean how about you tell everybody a little bit more about it since uh, you're kind of like a, a the big part of this so okay so so studio city uh follows the life of my character sam stevens who plays dr pierce hartley on the number two soap opera in the world called hearts on fire and sam is a good guy but definitely flawed definitely is still kind of figuring it out you know when you see him you think he's got the world kind of by the tail you know a guy starring on a show but you realize very quickly as the onion begins to peel that he's got a lot a lot of issues and problems that he deals with you know he's no longer the young guy in the soap he's now you know segueing into being sort of you know the older veteran and so the show brings on a you know a good looking young guy who's nipping at his heels and you know uh he he's a guy that always thought that he should have had a, a bigger career and for him that meant being an action star and the producer of the the soap tells him she goes do i really have to say it? you're just you're just too old and he uh at the end of the pilot episode somebody that he never knew existed shows up and uh and turns his complete life upside down um the show deals with a lot of poignant social issues uh okay. we we do it in a way that doesn't beat you over the head because frankly nobody wants to get preached to so you know we make you laugh we make you cry we entertain you and um 
Uh, the show actually made history too because one of our actors, terrific actor named Scott Turner Schofield, is the first trans male actor to ever be nominated for an Emmy, which means we're the first show in history that has ever had a trans male actor nominated for an Emmy. So we're really proud of that. And, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm real proud of it. I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's it's a digital drama. The show, the the shows tend to run between, I'd say like, like 12 and 15 minutes. So it's very digestible. You can binge watch uh, the first season, which is uh, uh, has 11 episodes, you know, in a couple hours. And, okay. uh, it, you know, we're building our audience. People, people really seem to be enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, absolutely amazing. And, and I was going to bring that up uh, actually about Scott. So congratulations. Cause that is a, it's a, it is, it's like breaking uh, grounds on things. Uh, my question for that is, um, d is that addressed in the show uh, as one of his characters? It is. Um, you know, I, I hired Scott because I love him as a person and he's a terrific actor. Um, so I didn't want all of Scott's material always to be about being a trans man. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think in the beginning, the first season, it has to be addressed, but I also, you know, want him just to be his character to be just another one of the actors on the show. Although, you know, his life is definitely, um, you know, he has he has different things that he encounters in life as a result of being a trans man. But he is out on the show. Everybody knows who he is. Um, and, uh, you know, every every one of the characters has um, their own cool arc. And uh, I, I think it's important that, you know, when you've got the platform to do something like this, that besides entertaining, which I do think that comes first, that, you know, you're also doing something that's provocative. You're doing something that um, stimulates thought from yes. the people that are, that are watching it. And yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we're able to kind of, you know, um, uh, ride, effectively create the balance of entertaining, but still, uh, you know, making people think. Yeah, for sure. We got a question here from uh, Beth Wheaton. She's asking, what is your favorite thing about the show? What is my favorite thing about the show? Um, well, if I'm being really honest, my favorite thing about the show is the amount of latitude that I have, um, you know, as, as the creator of the show and everything, you know, you normally don't have that sort of latitude as an actor when you're just hired by somebody else to do that. Favorite things, I work with a bunch of my friends. Um, uh, my wife, um, Michelle, is uh, one of the head writers and, and producers. My, my dear friend, uh, Timothy Woodward Jr. has directed all the episodes and... Uh, uh, is our showrunner. Um, all of the actors are people that I have um, known and worked with in the past. So when I go to work, it's you know it's really fun. I'm hanging. I'm, I'm hanging out yeah, with a bunch of with... creative people, and we know each other, and we have kind of a creative shorthand, which which is a lot different than when you're working with somebody, you know, for the first time because everybody works differently. Yeah. Um, but some of the actors I'd worked with extensively. And so it really allows us to, so we have to move very quickly because we, we have almost no money and we have almost no time. And so yeah. it really is to be able to, um, you know, look at each other and know where you want to go, what you want to do and how to get there without taking a lot of the time that you might have to do with people that you haven't worked with before. Okay. Yeah.
Makes makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a comment here by uh, Peter. He's saying there was a scene with Scott uh, in, in the first season where he is at a support group and talking to the others, and uh, yeah. it was amazing. So that's uh, really good. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it's a it's a pretty heavy scene, actually. You know, Scott is at a support group for transgender people, and um, you know, he's kind of recounting what his transition and what his life has been, and how lucky he is that he's starring on Hearts on Fire. And um, unfortunately, uh, one of the people that's in the support group eventually takes their own life, and it it really sends Scott's character Max for a, for a you know to, for a loop. Yeah! Wow! Wow! Powerful! Yeah! Uh, it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, unfortunately, uh, as you had mentioned, it's not available up in here in Canada. Uh, I We're did, hoping uh, to find that. It, yes, please do. I want to watch. <laughs> uh, you know, I was doing a lot of looking at, uh, the, not even just the reviews, but some of the comments people were saying about the show, clearly, uh, loved by many. And that's why you were nominated for oh, so many Emmys. It's comments. crazy. Like eight, eight, eight and a half or something out of 10 is very high. Exactly. Yeah. So now, uh, with, uh, with Michelle being one of the writers, did you ever come across a point where you're just like, uh, I, I don't like what you're doing to my character here. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta rewrite Um, <laughs> she kills you. <laughs> Donna, she's she's a tremendous writer and uh you know i mean i obviously I, you know i i do a lot of the, the the writing too and and you know so i'm able to have a lot of input on you know my character and his dialogue so uh by the time we do it i mean i i usually feel really good about it and the great thing about having you know michelle and tim and a lot of the other people that we have that are part of the uh the central team is, you know, everyone's got different skill sets. And I mean, you know, I, I, I've got a few skill sets, but they elevate me and, and allow me to be my best because there's some things that, you know, they do much better than I do. And that really gets to the essence of how filmmaking uh, is a collaborative medium. You know, the hope is that, you know, you're, you're making like this hobo stew and everybody, and you know, one guy brings a carrot and one girl brings a potato. And by the time everyone puts their talent into it, you got something that tastes really good. Yeah. yeah. You would have like a carrot in boiling water if it was just like one guy usually. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I always, I thought it was really interesting when, uh, when I had read about uh, Michelle being the writer and, and I was kind of thinking, you know, like this would never work for, for, for me and my wife, because it would be something stupid. Like I would write my character and be like, and then he has uh, this fantastic mo moment with three women. And it'd be like, <laughs> and she would change the writing to be like, which he found out it was a dream <laughs> and woke up next to the dog or some weird like thing that I was just like, yeah, I could see that being a, a little bit of a back and forth. So I thought it would be uh, interesting to ask you if uh, you and Michelle ever had one of those moments where you're like, I'm going to do it this way. And she's like, no, you're not. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, sure. You know, sometimes I, I think, uh, you know, art sometimes comes from friction rather than absorption. And it's, yeah. it's that process sometimes of, having, shall we say, spirited debates. <laughs> I think that's a, uh, a diplomatic <laughs> way of putting it. Uh, but at the end yep. of the day, we're all, we're all working towards the same common goal, which is to make, um, you know, to make the show the best that it can be. Uh, yes. and, and, you know, somebody just, Beth just said, it's a special gift to be able to work with your wife. And it is, um, um, you know, I, there's nobody I trust more. There's nobody that I know is more in my corner than my wife and, and, and vice versa. And, uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm glad that she's really getting a lot of the recognition that she richly deserves. You know, she, 
uh, was nominated for an Emmy as, as a writer last year, as, as was I, the whole writing team and uh, as a producer. And it's just so well-deserved because I've known for a really long time how talented she is and what she can do. And now it's really exciting for me to see a lot of other people finally discovering it. It's amazing, right? Because you you feel like because you're together and and you're so, so supportive of each other, you know, you're going to be like, but you're an amazing writer. And she's like, but you have to say that you're my husband, right? So it's so interesting and amazing then to to get that uh, nomination for the award and and the yeah, saying, you know, no, you, no, no, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you you make a project like this that you're doing independently on a shoestring budget and everything just getting it made is like a big win, right? And then yeah. you put it out there and it's like, you're sending your little child off to kindergarten and hope the other kids are nice to them. And when when your project gets made and now it's out in the world and some people say some nice things about it, that's even better. And then when you get some awards, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like it would have been, it would have been great just getting it made. And so many times in the entertainment business, you know, a lot of people pull together, work really hard, you get something made and it kind of never sees the light of day, you yeah. know? And and so we, we sort of um, have have kind of hit the lottery in a lot of ways uh, just because we're, you know, we're building an audience and we're getting some recognition and it, it's it's really wonderful. Absolutely amazing. And 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 again, uh, congratulations, because that is it's quite a, a, an achievement. And uh, I'm so I was so happy considering the last time we talked to you, it was kind of like, oh, I, I can talk about it, but I can't really yeah. talk about it. And now I found out that it, it, it just exploded and it has had so many nominations. So that's just amazing. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, we're talking about other things that I've got going on. I'm really excited. That my new book is coming out. Yes. Uh, Our next point here. And as a matter of fact, Michelle is on the phone with the printer as we're doing this. So it's just like, you know, she is she's tireless and just, you know, everything that I do, she like suits up and, you know, is is a part of it. And um, uh, we're going to we're going to have the books in about two weeks, which I'm really excited about. It's, uh, it's taking a long time I'm doing the the film with Bruce Willis, put everything kind of back a couple weeks. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm just really eager to get the book into people's hands because I, I'm really proud of it. I know I know that it's got some tremendous information in it that has the ability to really help transform people's lives. And I want to I want to share it and get it out there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, Peter. Uh, Thanks, uh, Peter. He's <laughs> also can't, can't wait for it. Uh, now, again, uh, I don't know. There was a little blip in the audio there. The, the name of the, uh, the of the book, of course, is The Way of the Cobra. Cover, and yeah. uh and and this of course uh is is not only um semi-autobiographical here mm -hmm. uh but uh mm -hmm. also quite a nice tie-in with with of course uh cobra kai yep. and and uh you know karate kid three and your role right. there have... so i'm gonna explain that because okay for, okay <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me give a really quick rundown of what the book is about so the book is set up in the structure of uh your student in my dojo, the dojo of life, Cobra Life. And I'm the sensei. And Cobra is an acronym that is formed from the words character, optimization, balance, respect, and abundance. And the genesis of the book came about a couple of years ago when I was having a period of my life where I was pretty stuck. Um, I had had some significant successes. I had had a few epic failures. I was 35 pounds overweight and I had no job uh, possibility on the horizon. And uh, I realized I needed to do some things very differently, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I used the 
the analogy, I, I wasn't going to wait for the ship to come in. I was going to build the damn ship. I just had to figure out how. And yeah. so these are the battle-tested tactics and strategies and philosophy that I've used in my life to achieve some of the success that I've achieved. And um, in that one year, uh, when I made these changes, I co-authored Success Factor X, which became an Amazon new release bestseller and was rated one of the 20 most inspirational books of the last two decades by Book Authority. Um, yeah. we, got, we got Studio City made and won an Emmy and I lost the 35 pounds. And I, I tell people that not as a way of impressing them, but impressing upon them what is possible when you are willing to uh, get honest, make some changes. And, uh, and I, you know, uh, wanted to share this stuff. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, you're, you're piggybacking on Cobra Kai and all that. Absolutely. I, I completely copped to that because this book was being written for a long time and it was going to come out under a different title. A lot of the same information, but sort of with different wrapping paper. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, I just feel like I would be short-sighted and stupid if I didn't take the fact that I was, you know, in the Karate Kid 3, uh, appeared on Cobra Kai, um, you know, this has been a major part of my life, and tap into the enormous fan base, because at the end of the day, this book doesn't have the, the potential of helping anyone if it doesn't get into the hands of the people who need it. And so um, it just seemed like the smart, right thing to do. And, you know, yeah, I'm doing podcasts and talking about the book because I want to sell books. And that's what people do when they have a book. But I really believe that there's a transformative quality in this book. And I say transform yourself and you can transform the world. And, um, you know, I, I very much uh, want to see this book uh, read by as many people as possible because I, I think it I know it will will help them. Uh, become Cobras. You know, a Cobra is somebody that is leading their best, most authentic life. That is a badass. The tagline for the book is uh, um, unleash your inner badass. And everybody has, one. you know, sometimes they, they haven't been discovered yet. Other times they've gotten sort of lost along the way, like mine did for a little while. And, you know, uh, I say it's time to, you know, dust off the black sleeveless gi and shake off the dust of mediocrity and get back to work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, uh, sorry, Beth has a question here. Is, uh, is there a specific, a specific martial arts or spiritual philosophy that you uh, tend to agree with? You know, I think, I know, that there are certain truths in the universe, okay? And uh, maybe, I don't know if this answers your question, but a lot of people ask me, especially like, you know, younger kids that are maybe going off to college or they're, they're starting their first big job. And they say, what do I need to do to be successful? Now, there's a lot of stuff in this book that really drills down it. But I say, if you can do these four things, even if you're not the most talented guy or girl in the room, you've got about a 95% chance of being successful in life. And the first is this. You learned it in kindergarten. It's the golden rule. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat people with respect and civility. And, you know, I, I don't have to tell you guys how, you know, at least in the United States, you know, we have had an epic um, lack of civility and, and we've had, you know, so much interpersonal vitriol that people are forgetting how to conduct themselves with respect and politeness. You know, you know, you can disagree with somebody, but it doesn't mean that you have to eviscerate them as a human being because you don't agree with them uh, yeah. about a 
point. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing is to act with integrity. You know, say what you mean, mean what you say, be dependable. You know, that's, it's, 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 it's easier said than done, you know, it's, it, but it's an easy concept. Um, the, the third thing is to behave with empathy. You know, you never know what private war somebody else is waging in yeah. silent desperation. You know, you look at somebody and they're, you know, they're in line at the supermarket or they're waiting for a bus and you, you never know what is going on. If, if, if that, if that woman's husband is the love of her life is dying of cancer, or, you know, if, if someone's struggling with alcoholism or, or if somebody has nobody, you don't know. And so I think by, by treating people with as much empathy as you can, that's a really great thing to do that will help you with other things to be successful. And the last thing, the last thing is grind work, you know, don't yep. stop. Um, one of the yeah. biggest things that I changed in my life that had a profound effect on my ability to be successful was getting up early in the morning. We've, we've all heard the saying carpe diem, which is seize the day. So yep. for the book, I've coined the phrase carpe mane, which is seize the morning, dominate the morning. If you can get an extra 90 minutes or so, before the, the chaos of the outside world has begun to bombard you, where you can get up, start your day in gratitude. I mean, it, you know, if you pray, pray. If you don't, just think of five things that you're grateful for. I mean, and it can literally be, I woke up today. That's something to be grateful for. Because when you start your day in gratitude, you're living in the present and it changes, it changes your attitude for the day and, and the trajectory yeah. of the day. Um, then uh, do a little meditation. Um, just, you know, just five minutes or so just to mm -hmm. silence the monkey chatter in your head and to, yeah. to connect with your, your inside soul. Um, I don't do this all the time, but journaling sometimes, you know, you wake up and you've got so much shit in your head and I literally will sometimes write nonstop for three minutes. Like uh, I'm tired. I haven't had coffee. This sucks. I don't want to write blah, 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 blah. And you're just getting that, that sort of internal crazy monologue out onto paper. And, and then you can move it away. Um, a, another thing that I'm a huge proponent of is visualization. And so, you know, take what you have to do that day, whether it's a phone call, a meeting, a podcast, whatever you're going to do, and take a few minutes and, and really think through and project how you want that to go. You know, how, how you envision um, making it the best thing that you can by bringing value to the other people that you're with, because I'm a big fan of not I th very few times in life do you do you engage in a zero sum game. One of the few times you do that is is you know if you have to defend yourself, and even then there's there's reasons you don't. So I'm a big fan of how can I bring benefit to myself, and how can I also bring benefit to somebody else in any any situation, right? Yes. Um, and by visualizing that, that really helps. Uh, so I do I do a lot of that, and uh, and the last thing is reading. Um, you know if you can if you can read for like 20 minutes a day. Over the course of a year, you will have put so much amazing new good information into your head that it will expand your wheelhouse. It's going to um, I'm also a, kind of a fan of reading stuff that's that's maybe something you wouldn't like normally read, you know, yeah. uh, read something that's going to kind of stretch the boundaries of, of who you are as a as a person. Um, yeah. if, if you can do those things, you know, you can own the morning, you can do those four things I talked about. You are well on your way. Uh, and there's lots and lots of other strategies I used uh, in the book and that I share 
but um and and like you said it is um it's it's pretty autobiographical i mean i i, I take a lot of the stories uh from my life i share them uh and and i attach those to a lot of the lessons mm -hmm. and you know before you you sort of ask me what hut i live in on top of the mountain in Kathmandu, meditating on my navel um you know i've made every mistake in the book i mean i i, I share these because i have you know walked through the emotional wasteland of my mistakes and um you know i've, I've had to relearn a lot of things as an adult that maybe some people learned as a kid you know everybody has different upbringings so um I, i'm a big fan of of having a mentor you know i think mentoring is really important and so that's a lot of what i do in this book you know i i wish that i had growing up some people who could point out some of the pitfalls that you know face all of us uh, that i had to uh, go to the school of hard knocks to learn um and and so hopefully through uh a lot of the mistakes i've had um i can share and illuminate the path a little more brightly for for other people yeah yeah you know you just said something that was very interesting uh when basically um would someone if someone could give you more guidance or or you know like uh, not make those same mistakes and it's really interesting because i grew up that way my my parents always always tried to be like oh here's this we don't want you to make the mistakes we made and yet i was still the character that was like i had to make those mistakes like it didn't matter how much they said it i i was still almost predestined to make mm -hmm. those same mistakes because inside i was kind of like no no you're not going to tell me what to do I, I'll figure this out. And I ended up making those exact mistakes. Well, there's, there's a couple things at play there. The first is, and I, I, I say this in the book, that there's not a whole lot of information in this book that is absolutely genuine and original because I think there are certain truths in the universe, but they're spoken by different people. So a lot of times, you know, you can be getting really good advice from your dad but if you've got a relationship with your dad where it's that, you know, the 16 year old boy and the dad are button heads like this, you, you, you know, you could have a really great present, but the wrapping paper doesn't appeal to you. So you don't open it. So what yeah. I say in the book is I hope that finally, you know, some of what I say in this book that you have probably heard before is finally going to resonate with you. Um, in the introduction of the book, I say, I've got good news and I've got bad news. I say, it's funny how that always works out like that and if you're like me and don corleone you insist on getting the bad news first so here That's it is right yep I have the answer i don't have a silver bullet for you that is going to instantly transform you into this uber successful dynamic beast that you want to be mm -hmm. i said now here's the good news it already lives within you it's like the zen riddle how did the ship get in the bottle it was always there everything you need to become a cobra to unleash your inner badass it's already within you you just have to get in touch with it and bring it out amazing amazing uh i have one more question before before our uh slightly uh, slower than average uh, rapid fire questions with maddie g uh is how long you've been doing yoga for how long have i been doing yoga yes what makes you think i do yoga <laughs> you've said a lot of things in, in, in the in the last like half hour that uh, are things because my wife has recently become a yoga instructor and uh, the things that you have said are things that she has said and i'm like this must be part of uh but, but a do you get, well, first of all I, I don't i don't 
I don't do yoga a whole lot, although I should. But I think there is a nexus between, you know, the um, Indian philosophy that yoga is predicated on and a lot of the um, um, Asian philosophy that martial arts is predicated on. So yep. I, I think there's an inter intersectionality there. Um, but also, you know, like I said, a, a lot of what your wife says, what, what she's uh, espousing from yoga, there are some things that just are. They just aren't yeah. true. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. you're going to hear them from from time to time from very different sources. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's so interesting because it, it's like even uh, the idea of reading uh, 20 minutes, like we have started doing this. Uh, it, it, these are all like little things that you you talked about that we just started ourselves in our life. And, and it's very interesting uh, because I'm like, I know exactly what he's talking about. I just started well, this. Really, you guys will pick up the book. You can get it at wayofthecobra.com. And, uh, you know, talking about the reading thing, you know, a lot of people struggle to read. Um, they have trouble focusing and get audible or something. You know what I mean? Yep. Like you, if, if people learn in different ways, obviously there's people that are kinesthetic learners that are tactile, that are, auditory, visual, you know, you might be somebody that best absorbs information uh, by listening to it. And yeah. I know in Los Angeles, we are legendary for our traffic. So most people that are, you know, bright people um, yeah. realize very quickly that if you turn your car into a library um, and you, you can learn a language, you can, you know, the amount of time that, that uh, Los Angeles, Los Angeles people and most California people and most people in big cities spend in a car over the course of the year. It's yeah. gotta be a minimum of 150 hours at the very minimum. You're going to tell me you couldn't learn basic Spanish or French in 150 hours. Yeah. Good point. Do something. Yeah. You know, you know, read, read the classics, do something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yep. All right. No, I was just, I was really curious. I was just like, oh, that's right. Yeah. And, and how you even talked about monkey mind. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. also very, uh, very yeah. uh, good yeah. about that uh, with yep, monkey mind and, and uh, meditating. So yeah. Excellent. All right. So uh, let's jump over here, Maddie G. And uh, we've got uh, some uh, relatively quick questions just so everybody get to know you a little bit better as yourself. And uh, again, if you don't know, just say, say pass and uh, we'll see where things go. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Rapid fire question. Uh, question number one: What made-up word would you register into the English language? What made-up word? Probably douche nozzle. <laughs> That's a good one. I love it. I don't think we've had that one yet. It's perfect. No. <laughs> no. What uh, <laughs> two? What is the scariest dream that you can remember? The scariest dream? Yeah. Um. dream I can remember. Uh, I, I remember when I was a, a very little kid, I must have been three. And my parent, it, the, the air conditioner in the house, I guess, went out. My parents had gone to the sit outside in the front yard. And I was having a bad dream. And um, I, I got out of my I don't remember if I was in the crib or a bed at three, but, um, and it, the house was completely dark and I couldn't find my parents and I was crawling on the floor trying to find them. And it was a combination of having a really bad dream and my parents, um, um, not being in the house and, uh, uh, really was, it was pretty traumatic for me. Yeah. To, yeah. That's good. The best thing to be as a kid. Yeah. Yep. I wouldn't yeah. do it. Yep. Um, 
What superpower would you pick? Hmm. That's a really I'm tough one. Not politically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I would probably pick something along the lines of um, kind of like Wolverine, like a continual, a continued cellular regeneration where I, I, it wouldn't be immortality, but I could basically live a really, really, really long time as a very strong and healthy person, which I think over the course of a thousand years, imagine the different skill sets and knowledge that you could acquire from that. Yeah, so, yeah, because, be cool. because if it, you, you, know, you would almost certainly, um, you know, accrue a lot of money, which would give you the ability to do a lot of the things that you want to do, help other people, etc. But yep. the ability to speak every language known to man, the ability to, you know, understand, you know, the mathematics that unlock the universe. And, and I don't know, that just seems like that would yeah. be cool. And, you know, basically you'd be a stone cold badass because, you know, I <laughs> That would be pretty bad. The only downside of all that, of course, is you're jail. You'll be alone. You will be alone because you will outlive well, everybody, right? So that's yeah. that continuous that is, sadness of losing people. That is true, unless you go into research medicine and you discover something, <laughs> and then you just keep everybody alive. <laughs> everybody, everybody's getting the Walt Disney treatment. <laughs> just the <laughs> yep. Fair enough. Cool. Um, what activity makes you the happiest? What activity makes me the happiest? Um, traveling with my wife. I love to travel. I love my wife and we go, you know, um, you know, we have our adventures together and, uh, are just spending, you know, quality free time doing whatever we want in really interesting, fun places. That's, that's terrific. Excellent. Great answer. Um, what foreign language would you most like to learn? Mm, well, I speak Italian and I am studying Mandarin Chinese uh, right now. I've been studying it uh, for probably about a year and a half. Um, what other language would I like to learn? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's, I, you know, probably Russian. Russian's tough. Um, I studied Russian for a while. And uh, believe it or not, it was it was harder for me than Mandarin is. Um, so um, probably probably that I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah, it'd be a I've heard Russian's hard to learn, so yeah. it'd be a good like, challenge. You have a completely different um, alphabet. You've got the Cyrillic alphabet, which is much easier than you know the five thousand Mandarin characters that you, <laughs> you would need to learn to be able to read the newspaper, which I can't do yet. Um, yes. But uh, uh yeah they're, they're both tough yeah. yeah i look yeah. i look at those characters and i'm like is that a tree is that a tree <laughs> no it, well that one looks exactly like that one no no that one's missing a leaf <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> yeah um if you could relive a decade which would you choose if i could relive a decade mm -hmm. uh hold on it's the wife <laughs> this is great the That's only the guest ever to take a conversation in the middle of a conversation <laughs> i love it hey man he loves his wife you gotta yeah, give him props exactly. for that yeah say hi to michelle for us it's in the book unleash 
So I, I, I like release better, but, but you would have to, we have to change that one line in, in, in the book. Then. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave that up to you. I love <laughs> um, was it? Sorry. Oh, which de which decade would I want to relive? Does that mean a decade of my life or like a ten year period? Yeah. Well, it's, it's so it's funny. We we've had different answers. So yeah. what what I guess How I think the more interesting one would be what decade would you relive in any era? Okay. Yeah. <sighs> well, is. Tempting as the uh, Dark Ages and the Black Death sound, I think I'm. <laughs> um, I think it would have been very exciting to live in Venice, Italy, or Florence at some point during the um, uh, the Renaissance. You know, okay. when when the Age of Enlightenment was happening and all of these new ideas were coming from all over the world when you know you know in in um you know in florence uh michelangelo you know was working on the il gigante which was the giant piece of carrera marble that had sat outside of the uh uh the galleria de academia and you know another artist had tried to make a statue and completely effed it up and you know, can you imagine you're just like you know, you're, you're walking around and, oh, there's Michelangelo making what's going to be the master David. And I, th I think that would be interesting. That would blow my mind. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I mean, there would, <laughs> I like creature comforts, you know? So, I mean, I have a big problem with any time that doesn't have AC or ice. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about dental care and health care? And I mean, there's that too, but yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> I think I think that would be exciting. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, like the Wild West sounds exciting, but when you realize that like the streets all smelled like horse shit, and that you know there's you know syphilis was rampant and all this other <laughs> stuff, eh, I don't know, not so much. Um, uh, why? What do you guys think? What? What? what I think yeah. Renaissance was a good good uh, answer. Renaissance was good. I, I mean, worst case scenario, you want to get cold, you just go sit in a crypt somewhere, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, yeah. Venice, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Venice, Italy, but it's it's a mind blowing city that's built on an island uh, yeah. that, that the canals and it's just it's just gorgeous and, and, and amazing. Uh, so I think that would be pretty, uh, pretty cool. That would be cool. on my wife and oh, I's wait, bucket list. Wait, so. wait. Ah, you know what I was thinking? I can't believe I didn't say this. I was thinking about this the other day. You know what I think would have been really, really exciting was to have been with the founding fathers of the United States during that time when they when they had made the traitorous decision to you know leave the crown and start their own country and the the brilliance of these men when they were constructing uh, uh the constitution and before that the declaration of independence and mm -hmm. you, you know just the 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 passion and the danger and the intrigue and the profoundness of that whole thing. I, I think it would have, I don't know that it would have been the most fun, but I think it would have been incredibly stimulating. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, you're still in that time period about being around with a bunch of that smell like horseshit, but uh, right. you know, if it's still, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, Peter apparently go back to the 90s. 90s was good. I like the 90s. 90s was good. Fresh Prince? Yeah.
Sure. <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons. No. <laughs> um, what was the first movie that ever made you cry? Hmm. What was the first movie to ever? I, I I cry a lot of movies. I'm a big crier of movies. Believe it or not. I um, do too. I, I just like I, I can sometimes depending on what my days like I can watch a commercial and I'm like, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> no, I do want to save a bunch of money on my car insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Remember what the first film that made me cry was. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to pass. I don't know. Been okay, some... yeah. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Do you believe in aliens? Absolutely. thousand percent. It. God. It. You, you guys know what the, uh, the Fermi uh, paradox is, right? The Fermi paradox. No. Is, no. The Fermi paradox is named after Enrico Fermi, who uh, created the, uh, the radio. And it basically says that there is in, in, in an infinite, and never ending universe that most likely has billions and billions of planets that could sustain life. Mathematically, it would be nearly impossible to not have alien life somewhere, but the, par the paradox is that we have no empirical proof that it exists. So in, in the face of, sta it basically says in the face of staggering um, mathematical uh, evidence, but without empirical evidence um you know it it, it it most certainly does exist but we can't prove it I, I just think look i think that it's it's i think it's egotistical and short-sighted to think that we are and here's the other thing though you know we are carbon-based creatures living mm -hmm. in a hydrogen you know oxygen world there's nothing that says that other aliens would be carbon-based creatures yeah and i saw something really interesting that has given me a lot of pause to think as we become more sophisticated with our ability to extend life and use um robotics bionics uh computer ai etc in our own bodies right yeah it stands to reason that at some point you know, there would be some kind of alien life that realized that it would be more effective to have certain parts of of their being uh, to be either robotic, bionic, AI, whatever. And mm -hmm. so I was watching this show and it was talking about the very real possibility that, you know, there is alien life out there that is very much more machine than it is um, or oh, I forget humanoid, just just organic being. Yeah, and I thought really interesting. I mean, because it kind of does make some sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I like to. I think everybody, I think everybody wants to believe that, you know, that there's there's stuff out there. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge original Star Trek fan, and so I mean, I love the concept of you know other other cultures. Uh, you know, but there is also the caveat that. Um, that the great physicist Stephen Hawking said, he said, I would be very, very careful about wanting to encounter an alien race because yeah. they, just because they're more advanced does not mean that they would be, uh, uh, you know, fans of ours. And yeah. it could also be that we are as inconsequential to them as, as ants on a hill. Not that they necessarily mean us malice. They just, 
they, yeah, they don't care. Nothing. They see our they see our planet for resources, and there would be nothing we could do. Probably, I hope that's not the case. But you know, there's yep. you know, I think I think we all like to form the concept of what aliens are based upon our our personal fantasies and things that we want to project onto it rather than what may actually be reality. I mean, I'd like to think that they're benevolent, but I mean, you know, we, I think for the most part, earthlings are benevolent, but we also have the ability to cause, you know, uh, incredible violence and damage. And so, you know, I, I don't know if I'd be so ecstatic about earthlings coming to another planet if I was a, you know. Yeah. Yep. Long answer, yeah. but I, I like to. No, it's it's a good answer. It's so true. Yeah. So I, I, for some reason, I mean, it's at least better than someone turning around and saying, "Yeah," because you know everybody out there wants to have sex with an alien at some point. <laughs> well, and it's crazy to think like our technological advancement um, has really taken a foothold over you know the last say hundred years. Imagine in a thousand years where we are. Like we're 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 it's growing actually- in our technical advancements exponentially. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. We need to make I mean, sure we need to make sure that our um that our that our emotional and and humanistic uh development uh isn't so surpassed that we are like a bunch of big dumb children with some very, oh, totally. some very <laughs> toys. I, yeah. I think I think you know not to get too philosophical but i think that a lot of uh a lot of depression and anxiety a lot of people experience today are because our technology has outpaced our our monkey minds you know what i mean like we're not built to uh be constantly in the stress of a a regular work day you know we used to have to worry about food shelter and breeding now we have to worry about a million things in a day yeah, so absolutely. I just think we haven't evolved to for our minds to be able to process the the amount of stimuli coming in. So therefore, it manifests into things like anxiety, depression. I think there's that, and I also think there's a reality too. And again, I talk about this in Way of the Cobra that on a lot of levels, uh, the last couple generations have been getting soft. You know, mm. we have so much at our disposal to make our lives easier and more comfortable and and you know i've been guilty of this myself so you know again i'm not like in the hut on top of the you know mountain uh but but you know i think that people need to learn to embrace some discomfort and and you know they they, in the military they have that you know embrace the suck you know you know you, you need to sometimes realize that it is a fantasy that life is always supposed to be comfortable and wonderful and everything. I mean, if you, you know, and you probably know this from some of what your wife says, but, you know, if you look at a lot of Hindu philosophy, like from the Bhagavad Gita, you know, you know, happiness comes from extinguishing um, the pursuit of uh, sense-based things. You know, mm-hmm. when, when you're, when you're constantly like a hamster on a wheel, you know, and you're looking for sex or food or money or blah, 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 it's never ending. And so, you know, there's always a sense of dissatisfaction. And also when you don't get what you want, it creates anger and resentment. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so, you know, I, I think if we were all taught at a younger age that in the times in our life when we're fortunate enough to be happy and content and satisfied, that's a gift. But, you know, a, a large part of life 
is suffering. Um, and I know that sounds heavy, but you know, that wasn't me. That was the Buddha who said that he said, mm -hmm. life is suffering. Um, yeah. and our lives have become so much better and that's great, but I don't think we want to lose that human quality of being, um, I don't want to use the word warriors. It's not that, but you know, there, there is a, an instinct that humans have, uh, that I think has been largely tapped down for a lot of reasons. You know, I mean, you know, I, I could give you the whole litany of, you know, we're handing out trophies for ninth place now. You know what I mean? There's that there's, yeah. and I talk about this again in the book, you know, everyone is so concerned about not shaming anyone. And I talk about the difference between, toxic shame which is humiliating and is something nobody should be subjected to but there's also the kind of shame when you don't do your best when you let yourself down when you break your character okay and and that creates a sense of momentary shame that lets you know what you don't want and yeah. I, I i think as a society we have to recognize that you know you can use a different word for it if you want but there is value in, in some shame because it, it tells us what not to do. It tells us, you know, how, how to be our, our best. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think that the ability to endure through uh, um, discomfort and, and suffering has been the hallmark of what has allowed humans to, to survive and to perpetuate. And, and I, I worry that, and it's, it's only in the last couple of generations too, because, you know, you talk mm -hmm. about like, you know, I'm, I think I'm older than you guys, but I know I'm older than you guys, but like our, my, my grandparents, the greatest generation, I mean, you're talking about a bunch of 18 year old, mostly boys who went off to a foreign land to go onto a beach facing machine gun nests. Yeah. And yeah. they came back and they, you know, had to start families and jobs and all that stuff, but they, you know, they were cut from a different uh, piece of cloth. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why they call them the greatest generation. And yeah. I, I worry that, you know, a lot of millennials are so dialed into their devices and PS4 and things like that, that they're not, they're not learning a lot of the interactive social skills that, help people become the best people they can because i think the devices are yeah they connect us more and again i talk about this in the book there's a there's a guy named marshall McLuhan who wrote a book he was a communications uh professor and he and an author he wrote a book called the medium is the message and he said that the way with which we communicate is often as important as what we say i mean makes a big difference between you know you know you're you're gonna break up with somebody and you do it with a, a post-it on the refrigerator or, you know, you go and see them in person and have, you know, uh, uh, um, a connected conversation about it. Th yeah. So, the, you know, you know, leaving, you know, it started with with um, voicemail, the ability just to say your piece and then leave it on somebody's message. So there wasn't a dialogue, it was a monologue. And that yeah. has descended into a lot of the craziness that we see um, on social media where people just rant and rave uh and it's like we all know you're not going to change anyone's mind with that crap you're not yeah. mm -hmm. you're either yeah. you're either playing to an echo chamber or you're venting mm -hmm. and and it's not really a form of communication it's a form of verbal masturbation yeah yep yep absolutely for sure
for sure. Yep. You know, at least we're not going back to the days of lighting bags of poop on the store doorstep. So, <laughs> hey, speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next question for you. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? What gets on your nerves? So, um, these are really stupid. Um, um, I really hate when you go to uh, an office building and they lock the restroom. Uh, I don't like, <laughs> and I also yep. don't trying to get a piece of toilet paper off and they, it seems like they've got somebody from maintenance has come in and they have tightened the roll. And so, you, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are, you're like, what yeah. those are, you cheap bastards. <laughs> those are my stupid pet peeves, my legitimate real ones. Um, I cannot stand cruelty. I do not like when people are cruel. Um, I, I don't, uh, and I know I keep going back to the book, but a lot of what you're asking me is stuff that I put in the book. You know, I say, uh, a Cobra, uh never humiliate somebody and doesn't use um humor uh as as a cloak for being cruel um you know and oh i was just kidding i'm just kidding or or you know you you're you're, you're thin skin you can't take it those are all things that people that generally um uh, it's a quality found in malignant narcissists a lot uh they will they will say something to somebody which is clearly meant to you know shake their sense of self but they'll couch it in a way that it's supposed to be funny and if if you get offended by it then you know you're you're the uh you're the problem and i talk a lot about in the book i have um a section where i talk about uh fear the mongoose and a mongoose is the cobra's natural predator right Yep. And so I talk about people that you need to be able to recognize, and I do a whole section on uh, malignant narcissists, sociopaths, and even psychopaths. And people always assume psychopaths are like Hannibal Lecter. They're not. Um, there are a lot of people that uh, are legitimate psychopaths that are not violent, but and, and, and have ascended to the top levels of certain professions. Psychopathy is very well represented in surgeons, it's very well represented in CEOs. It's very well represented in um, a lot of legitimate pursuits. And you know, if if you're, I know I'm going off on a little bit of tangent here, but no. if you're somebody, if you're somebody who is unlucky enough to work for a psychopath, um, that is that is your boss, you need to be able to identify it. And there are certain strategies. One of the one of the best quick strategies I'll give you is do everything you can not to deal with them through email. Because people that are psychopaths are less, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, do deal with them through email. I apologize. Do deal with them because, because they, they aren't able to play a lot of their direct manipulative intimidation games when you're not sitting across from them. And it yeah. also forces them to put down and memorialize what they're saying so that when they say, I, I never said that. Yeah, what do you they got to be accountable. You're like, yeah. So so do everything you can not to deal with them in person. And if, God forbid, you've, um, you know, got on the shit list of somebody that is a psychopath that you work for, it is a thousand percent time to start looking for other employment because it's, it's a matter of time before they will become an active, disruptive and destructive force in your life. So I talk about the ability to, you know, kind of spec these people out. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Cool. Yep. That's awesome, yeah. man. Good. Um, guys, I have what? about two minutes and then I, because I, I, I could talk to you all day, but I, I no, have no, 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 that's cool. That's all right. All right. Well, we'll ask you the last question on our list here. 
Um, what is your favorite podcast that you've been on in the last 12 hours? Oh my God. It's the freaking awesome podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the song in the world. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> well, Sean, uh, obviously, uh, time is, is... Tell all of your friends to go out and buy it. Yes, of course. Uh, you know what? Uh, so congratulations on, uh, of course, the the Emmys uh, and uh, Studio City. Uh, really love to, to, can't wait to see the book when it comes out. Honestly, it's, uh, it looks like it sounds like it's going to be a good read. And uh, we will make sure that uh, people who are listening on the road or this uh, episode uh, is, of course, after the live recording, uh, we'll, of course, uh, make sure we put up a new uh, picture of Sean on our guest page. And uh, we'll put a link. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And we'll put a link, uh, of course, where you can get that book. Thank you, Maddie, Anthony. Thank you guys so much. I want to wish you all the best. Stay safe up there. And uh, I'll look forward to talking to you guys again. So this is a good time Absolutely. for us to get our Take care. Thanks so much. You can Thanks get again, us on our Take website. Thefap.ca. On uh, Twitter. Is the Fab 4 You can get us on Instagram. Is the Fab Podcast. Don't forget our Facebook. The Freaking Awesome Podcast. And uh, you can always reach out via email. Thefappodcast at gmail.com. I'm on the air, we on the air, we got this pocket. Ah, uh, oh, not again. What a choice. <laughs>